Hello everyone, this is James from The World's Last Night. It's been a while since I last have done a podcast, and don't worry, I do still plan on finishing up Exodus, or delving into it, I guess I should say. But I wanted to do something a little different and just sort of talk off the cuff about something that has very much piqued my interest recently, which is the conversion of Kanye West um, into a Christian now, I'm sure if my kids are listening to this, they're going to be like, Kanye who? Probably won't mean a lot. It'd be a lot like if my dad was telling me about Buddy Holly or something. Um, but I did want to extrapolate that little um, slice of a conversion of a celebrity and sort of talk a little bit about conversion in general and some of the things that our culture should start to think about. Now, the interesting thing about Kanye's conversion is I believe it's actually true, and not everyone agrees with that or believes that, and in fact, 10 years ago, sort of people thought that he had gone that path then and ended up not, and sort of still delved into the normal things he raps, he raps about or what he's known to rap about and the lifestyle he's known to live. The difference being this time for me is I've been listening to several interviews with him and A, his theology is on point. I haven't heard him say something that I could say, look at the scripture and say, no, you're incorrect on this point. And that's kind of amazing, given the fact that he has only been a Christian for about seven or eight months at this point. And with new Christians, usually there's like something you can critique, and not in like a mean way, but it's just, it takes a while. It takes a lot of listening and getting instruction and being discipled to actually hone yourself into a right theology because up until your conversion, your thoughts of God and, and all that has been filtered through what the world thinks about it. For example, like pluralism. You know, we grow up, we, we are in a pluralistic society, which basically means there are multiple ways to God, or another way to say it is that, you know, all religions, thoughts, uh, philosophies are equally valid, which is a horrific uh, assumption to make. And when we get in the book of Judges, you're going to see this phrase that basically says they all did what they thought was right in their own eyes, which is the pretty much the very definition of subjectivism or subject, subjective truth. Another term that we like to use is postmodernism, pluralism, subjectivism. It's all in the same wheelhouse. Now, an interesting thing about Kanye, I was listening to one of his interviews. He was basically affirming that the only way into heaven is through Jesus. I mean, he was actually denigrating the idea of a workspace theology saying that you can be a quote-unquote good person, but that doesn't mean that you're going to be able to get into heaven. Because as we've, we've even seen Scripture point out, even though Noah was a good person, a righteous man, in his, according to his contemporaries, he wasn't a, with a capital R, I guess I should say, a righteous man like Jesus was, who was perfect, actually righteous. And so... By his works, Noah would actually be discounted from entering heaven without Christ's 
atonement being applied to him, which we'll talk more about that whole issue of Old Testament salvations when we hit the New Testament, because there's actually a little bit in there about that, believe it or not. But Connie was basically saying that the only way to heaven is through Jesus, which you would not expect from a newly converted Kanye to say, because his whole life has been about working. I mean, the the man's entire image, um, how he's made all his money through his shoe line, clothing line, his music. Actually, he'll tell you that he was basically bankrupt up until he became a Christian. <laughs> he was constantly in debt. <clears throat> and he said once he started stopped serving the world and serving the culture and started to serve Jesus, that's when his business turned around and his latest business was evaluated at $3 billion. Um, in any case, you would think he would have a workspace theology based on his life and his pride because, you know, people who are very prideful and are achievers end up having a workspace theology, which means they believe that they can get to heaven based on their works. What they do that is good. They're usually less forgiving and understanding and merciful of other people's faults. And yet Kanye actually, for the first time I've ever seen, is behaving humbly and basically saying, no, there's nothing that I've done. It's all Jesus. And by the way, basically my entire career has been doing nothing but serving Satan. And he calls out particular albums, particular lyrics, songs, ways he's treated his wife, and uh, ultimately is showing like a heart of repentance, doing a 180 from his sin. And now he's basically saying, I'm in the service of Jesus. And so I want to, uh, you know, create the next Sistine Chapel. I want to bring art back to the church and serve the church. And so I've never known a new convert after seven or eight months to actually have the the theology he has and there's i guess there's something um hidden to this as far as his conversion which is he's basically said that he was embarrassed to go to church after he became a christian because of what people would judge him for being a new christian and so he actually had church in his home and i can only uh, imagine that someone is discipling him, whether it's a pastor or a friend, but somehow he heard the gospel and it saved him and put him in his right state of mind. And then not only that, but he had the foresight or the humility, I mean, by the grace of God, because he's not known for his humility, to then go and be discipled. And so Anyone who is a new convert to the Christian faith, you want to be discipled. That is, you want to find someone who you believe has been walking with Jesus longer than yourself and bring all your questions to them, get answers, maybe meet with them on a weekly basis, do phone calls. Anytime you have a question, you're reading scripture and you're like, I don't know what that means, go to them and hopefully if they don't have the answer, they can find it for you. But you go through a series of, you know, being discipled. Now, remember, that's the whole thing. Like, you have the 12 disciples of Jesus. He was the rabbi, which means teacher, and they were his disciples. This was a normal student-professor relationship for the time. People would follow their rabbi around and learn from this religious teacher. 
Well, every new Christian convert needs to be discipled just like the early disciples needed to be discipled because uh, you need to build your faith on a firm, theologically sound, scripturally based foundation. And the easiest way to do that is to have someone walk you through it and explain it to you. And I'm telling you, there's no way that Kanye West has the theology he currently has without having been discipled or, and I hesitate to say this, having some sort of miraculous impartation of wisdom from God, such as that Paul had. Because remember, when Paul was converted, he started preaching the gospel before being discipled. I mean, he was discipled in Judaism, but not Christianity. He met Jesus pretty much face to face and was in part of this great wisdom on the gospel. And he basically argues that when he finally met up with the other apostles and compared what he was already teaching to what they were teaching, it aligned. So Paul is an example of someone who wasn't necessarily discipled by another person, but in a very real sense, directly from God. I don't know which what it is with Kanye, but uh, you know, when he first was converted, I was curious because I've never heard the man say anything in his life that was sane or coherent. Um, and so I just, I popped on over to one interview and it was like two minutes of him talking post-conversion. And he was saying things that were rational, sane, logically sound. And I was taken aback because I'm like, that's not what I know from that man. And here he is in his right mind. Well, if you listen to some interviews with him about his conversion, he'll tell you he's been in the mental hospital. He struggled with um, mental issues. And he basically says that he was out of his mind for the past three to five years. And <clears throat> it didn't help that the media and everyone else in the world was calling him crazy also, including myself, I'm sure. So what he basically says is he got his sanity from Jesus, from his conversion. He got his sanity back. Well, before I even heard of that, and all I did was see that little snippet of interview and he was saying coherent things, I instantly thought of Nebuchadnezzar, who was a king of Babylon. So he was a pagan king. And yet God came to him in the midst of his pride, humbled him, and he sort of, you know, had the mind of an animal and went kind of insane. And then he got his sanity back from God and started to worship God. Here's a pagan king worshiping God. That's what I equated this to. And oddly enough, I was listening to another interview and he basically came and said that, uh, yeah, he was a lot, it was a lot like Nebuchadnezzar. He was talking about this conversion and comparing it to the same thing that I had already compared it to in my mind. So in any case, I think that it's awesome that it seems to be a true conversion, and it's even doubly awesome that he sort of is aligning his worldview with being a servant of Christ, and as such, you now have a, a billionaire with a lot of influence who is actually preaching Christ crucified and salvation. He's actually started Kanye West, you know, he released his new album um, called Jesus is King, and it's sort of a gospel-inspired rap worship album. And he's actually holding these, like, Sunday services, is what he's calling them, 
where people come and they just worship and they didn't have a pastor for a while and now they have a pastor and he's also building he bought thousands of acres in Wyoming so he can actually farm the materials used to then uh, create the clothing and the shoes that he makes and he's basically trying to get away like from social media and all that and dedicate his time more to his family all these are hallmarks of someone who has converted to the Christian faith. So it's it's exciting as a Christian to see that because whenever you enter heaven, whenever I enter heaven, I'm sure I'm going to find people there who I would not expect to see. And that's just because of the extreme grace of God. You never know people who have had terrible lives who have committed great evil, you don't know what their heart's like before they die. And you can look at, you know, this thief on the cross in the Gospels who was being crucified along with Jesus. There were two thieves. At the beginning, they're both insulting Jesus. Towards the end, apparently one of them sort of recognizes who Jesus actually is, which is the king. And he tells the other guy, he's like, don't you know, like we're up here because of our sin and our crimes, but this man is innocent. And he turns and basically to Jesus and says, when you enter your kingdom, please remember me. And then Jesus says, hey, you know what? Today you're going to be in paradise with me. So we like to think about that thief and we're like, we focus on the repentance. But that man may have been atrocious to his, his family growing up, all his childhood friends. He obviously was stealing. We don't know if he ever did a single good thing in his life. Probably filled with pride obviously envy, and yet Jesus saw fit to have grace on him so that he might enter the kingdom of heaven because of what Jesus was doing and the man's faith in him. So it's never too late to repent. So you never know who's going to be in heaven because you don't know who actually has that profound realization of who Jesus is, even on their deathbed. And so Kanye West, to me, is an example of that kind of person I'm, I'm going to find in heaven who I would not normally expect and who I am ashamed of not praying for. So when we talk about praying for people, we really, as Christians, need to be focusing on our leaders. And that's that includes our president. It doesn't matter if you like our president or not. We are called to pray for our leaders. We want them to be saved. We want them to be righteous. We want them to preach the gospel, even if they can affect one soul, one mind, to lead them to Jesus, then it's, it's worth it. So Kanye is an example of someone with a lot of power and a lot of influence over young lives who we celebrate coming to the light side. And there's so many more people like that out there. I mean, the next person in that immediate realm to be praying for is Kim Kardashian. That woman has a stranglehold on young women in our country. And the image and the ideas that she promotes are not ones that you want or we want our children to adopt and grow up in. So hopefully Kanye can lead his family righteously, including her and the whole family can be saved. And then suddenly you have a lot of influence from the Christian church going on. Um, And maybe if enough people like that convert, you can 
you can have what has historically been called awakenings. So you have like the first and second awakening. Basically, there's times when God sort of blows his spirit upon a nation and that nation repents and comes to him in droves. And I'm telling you, in our culture right now, we need that probably more than ever. If you just look at the suicide statistics of the youth, we are actually doing worse now than we were five years ago, which means more people are committing suicide now than they were just five years ago. And yet <clears throat> life in general, as far as the ease of it, um, the prosperity, stock market hit a record high just a, a day ago. It's never been better or easier or more convenient to live. And yet people are depressed in record numbers. Antidepressants are prescribed in record numbers. And in fact, one of the fastest growing demographics for antidepressant, antidepressant prescriptions is with elementary age school children. This is a, a relatively new thing, last 10 years, 15 years maybe. And a lot of that comes down to a lot of that comes down to the fact that society has witnessed the breakdown of the family structure over the past uh, 80 years, something like that. And I know that you can look at the past with rose-tinted glasses, but if you go back to mm, the 50s, you had a 6% divorce rate compared to now, which is closer to the high 40s. Now, in specific communities, such as Connie sort of talks a lot about in these interviews about specifically African-American communities and the breakdown there with family, but you're looking at what used to be a 20% out of wedlock birth rate in the African-American community to now it's closer to 70%. That means that 70% of children are born into what is functionally not a family, like there's no father present. And this sort of perpetuates and breaks down our society. And because we find that fatherlessness leads to almost every societal ill, such as poverty, homelessness, uh, prison, dropping out of school, and suicide. So antidepressants are being prescribed to young children. And a lot of that, in my opinion, has to do with sort of the breakdown of families, which we could do a whole discussion on another time. But in any case, what we need more than ever are leaders, politicians, celebrities, people who actually can affect culture to start preaching Jesus preaching Jesus crucified, preaching freedom from the slavery of sin, and preaching the joy that comes from knowing God who can fill that void that we try to fill up with other things in our life. So for Kanye, he talks about how he found a Playboy magazine when he was five years old. It was his dad's. And he basically says that that just jacked up the rest of his life, that one event, because it started to fill every single um, waking desire he had. So denigrating women, becoming what he would consider addicted to sex. And, I mean, you can even see it in how he treated his wife over the past few years, too, with wanting her to dress, you know, more scantily clad, 
and praising her for taking photos of herself nude. All these things that he, he now looks back on with sort of shame, he, at that time, embraced it. And as you would say, he was sort of a slave to it. So you have a lot of... Sorry, guys, people keep... Um, <laughs> People, people keep interrupting while I'm recording, so I'm sort of losing my train of thought. But I was talking about Kanye and basically how he was exposed to Playboy as a five-year-old and how that has sort of affected uh, the rest of his life. And this is him admitting this. Well, he basically says that he then sort of pursued several different things to bring him joy. So he tried to find it in sex. He tried to find it in alcohol. He tried to find it in um, power. And in fashion, in insp he even talks about inspiration, which is gen generally a really good thing. But he will say that basically he became a slave to it, to where he even talking about becoming a, a connoisseur of architecture or designing things, which um, is sort of his business. He ended up serving those things. And as such, he wasn't ever fulfilled. And he basically says, if you don't love God and serve God, you will love everything else and serve everything else. And he can honestly say that from an experiential standpoint, not, standpoint, not just a theoretical one, which scripturally that lines up. It's kind of going back to, you know, kind of marveling about how he understands points of scripture that takes many years for Christians reading the Bible and being discipled to, to grasp. But our culture tries to fill us up with things that are not satiating. And some of these things, you know, another one he mentions is social media, like Instagram, especially for women. He basically says they put more time into getting a photo just right on Instagram than they do on anything in real life. And so they end up sort of serving Instagram or social media. And his argument is if, if, if culture didn't do that and instead sought to serve God first, right? Seek first the kingdom of God, everything else be added to you. That's uh, uh, Matthew six thirty three. If it, if culture did that, then we wouldn't be in the situation we're in right now, which is record rates of depression and suicide and emptiness and broken homes. Sort of the things that like politicians don't really focus on. We sort of focus on these things that are going well, like the economy or we've won militarily in some battle. Like recently they killed the leader of ISIS and then that would be sort of the Republican standpoint, you know, talking points. And then the Democratic talking points are going to be focused on things like uh, LGBTQ rights. Um, but it's really like everything but the main thing they don't talk about, which is the fact that you can be extremely prosperous, have a great economy. You can have all the freedom and rights that America affords you as an individual, and you can still be extremely broken and depressed. So why? And they don't give you any solutions. I actually had a dream once when Barack Obama was our president. I literally dreamt this. I got to ask him questions. And so I was in uh, an audience and everyone got to ask questions and have his answer. And everyone's asking him about politics and, you know, economy and healthcare and all these things. 
that are ultimately distractions. And the question that I asked him in my dream was, how, if, no, this is what I said. I think I said something like, if someone were to come to you and they were really uh, upset or beside themselves about their sin, what would you tell them they would need to do to be saved? Okay. No one's ever asked that question, to my knowledge, of like President Trump or anyone on a debate stage. No one ever gets into the philosophy or the things that really matter. It's all talking points, talking points. It's, and I would love more leaders to point blank tell people the truth. Because if our generation doesn't have that objective truth, that A, you are in a, a relationship of discord with God due to your sin, but B, he sent Christ to reconcile with you, and C, upon that reconciliation, you're going to find what you've been looking for your entire life. Like, no one lays that out. We talk about everything else in our culture, except that important thing, which is sort of left behind closed doors in churches. And sometimes it's not even actually preached. It's, it's like the greatest truth that could save our, our, our nation. And we don't have any leaders standing up to espouse them but then here's Kanye West, like the last person you would expect to preach the gospel with like extreme boldness. And here he's doing it. And my hope is that other people step up and start doing that also so we can focus on the things that are actually going to fix our problems. People, people honestly think their greatest problem is the fact that they have student loan debt right now. Like that's a huge contentious thing in our society. And they, th the problem here, and I already know it, they don't know this, but I know it. Even if all that debt was absolved, it would not fulfill them. It wouldn't actually take care of the root problems that, plague their lives, or even the root problem that led them to be into a debt that they could not pay back or would not pay back to begin with. And so we just sort of bandage it. You know, we throw money at it. And we do that for so many of our problems in America, and we end up feeling empty on the other end of it. My wife likes to talk about therapy shopping or something like that, shopping therapy, like people, whenever they're sad, they'll go shop and that cheers them up. It's, it's a, it's a temporary thing. It's, it's a bandaid. It's not actually getting to the root cause though of that sadness. And my goodness, I'm just talking about sadness. I had a friend the other day, I was talking to her and I was like, Hey, you know, uh, how are you doing? And she was like, well, I have sad. And then kept talking. And I was like, I don't know if that is grammatically correct. I have sad. And then, so she basically explained that that stands for like seasonal 
something depression. And it's basically like you get sad, you get depressed, sad, based on the weather outside. Which, okay, maybe, yeah, that's probably a scientific thing. You, you lose vitamin D from not being out in the sun, and it's dreary outside, which sucks because you can't go out in the sun. I get that. What is becoming extremely troubling for me in our culture is this extreme prevalence of almost every person I know medicating or seeking therapy for anxiety or depression. Two things that Christianity can completely eradicate in a life, in a culture. Because what's the number one command God gives in Scripture? Don't be afraid. Don't be fearful. And what is anxiety other than fear? And what's one of the number one benefits that having a relationship with God is? And that's being filled with joy which cures depression. Now, I know depression. I'm very well acquainted with it because I was depressed before I was saved. And I remember what it was like, and it was awful. But I also can tell you that God can heal that because he did it in my life. And I saw it in my wife's life when she had PPD and, uh, and wanted to kill herself. And the thing that healed her was being prayed for and then being miraculously healed. And I'm not saying that God always miraculously heals us, but I'll tell you this, he can, and no one is telling people that. Instead, I have friends that spend hundreds of dollars a month on therapy. And sometimes when I talk to them, I try to ask and gauge whether or not they think that those sessions will ever end? Like, does your therapist tell you when you're going to be cured or like what the benchmark or goal is? And nine times out of 10, I get an answer back that basically says, no, it's, uh, you can't really be cured from this. It's just trying to treat it. And then when they miss a session for a week, they are like nuts, like super depressed. And so they become very dependent upon this therapy. I have other people talking about, you know, their antidepressants. And talking about how they, they have to have their health insurance cover it, you know, and, or else they're going to go crazy. So we're all dependent on basically everything but God as our source for joy and confidence. And this goes for my entire generation. So I'm very happy to see that someone like Kanye West is, is an example of someone who... I think was literally insane at one point. I mean, he says he was in a mental hospital who God has given a right mind and sanity. Someone who used to, as Kanye would say, serve or worship Satan, right? Someone who tried to, everything this life has to offer, money, and if you're a man, women, uh, drugs, alcohol, everything that life has to offer, fame. And he still felt depressed and he still... Uh, felt empty. Someone who has experienced all that, and then now he's saying, well, this was it. This this is my joy, being a servant of Christ. And so I just wish we had more people in culture like that who would just tell the truth. Tell the truth and maybe get our generation set on a good track to where 
we're going to have solid functioning marriages that are hopefully lifelong, where we're going to have children who will grow up seeing that in their households who aren't depressed, who are well-adjusted, who, as Jordan Peterson might say, socially desirable by the age of four. That's sort of the goal. Um, people who come to, children who come to know Jesus at a young age, so they don't have to live the life that Kanye lived. Who would wish that upon anyone? Um, and that's the life that he's trying to make for his kids. Now, I think it's crazy he named his child North, Northwest, but I love hearing him talk about how much he loves her and is literally designing a church based on her vision for what church is looks like, not should be like, but looks like. The choir's in a circle and all that. It's kind of interesting. So I've rambled a lot here, but I just wanted to sort of give some of my thoughts on what I believe is a cultural milestone that I'm afraid everyone is just going to gloss over and and move on and sort of relegate this to the dustbin. Like, oh, he's he's crazy. And it's sad that there's also this aspect of he's, he's changed his sort of political leanings, has become more uh, libertarian-minded. And that makes the media sort of just push it aside. And they're probably going to group this Christian conversion with that. And it's going to turn off more people. But uh, I'm inspired, honestly, because I feel like I've been given so much more in the way of I've grown up with God since fifth grade. And I, I want to use my life to reach others as Kanye's trying to do here later in his life. So... That's all. That's sort of my, I think my big takeaway is I'm inspired by this conversion. I pray that it lasts and that he doesn't fall back and that we can actually have a, a pillar in our celebrity who pursues God. And ultimately, I'm just inspired to try my best to preach the gospel with the means that I have. So until the next time I come back, this is James from the World's Last Night.